The last week we left off with Hamavir Sheinam Einayit Rumamaf Apai and the Hirat Zones after that, which were either a continuation of that bracha and the second Hirat Zone is a is the Hirat Zone of Rebbe. So in the Sfaradi order, the next thing that we continue with is the Birchat Torah, which consists of three brachot, and we could discuss the text of it, we could discuss the history of it and the meaning of it. But first, I think the first thing to start with is the um, the importance of it. There's a famous Quran in Nidarim Pe'alef, which I have in, you have in front of you. Um, it's not in Brachot, it's in Nidarim, because it's speaking about the Khurban. And it says in the Gemara over there, it's highlighted, ma en mitsuyin The Gemara in Nidarim asks a very simple question. Why is it that... Um, it's uncommon to find scholars who have sons who are also scholars. Um, very often, Tamidei Chachamim have sons who are plumbers and, and honest workers and good people. It's, un, it's uncommon that, that, uh, that people who are Tamidei Chachamim themselves have all their sons to be Tamidei Chachamim. So the Gemara gives a few answers, but finally, and, and I circled it here, Ravina gives his answer, and he says, Ravina Omer, she, some of the reasons I should just preface before Ravina were that the Gemara says it didn't, when families become too scholarly, they can become too powerful or too haughty or too arrogant. These are different suggestions given by the Gemara. So Hashem doesn't want families to become too powerful. You know, they, they become disparaging of, of normal people. Ravina says... Ravina, Omer. Ravina says... Because they do not make a... Bracha before they before they learn. This is why they do not have uh, sons who are timidei chachamim. Now, what does it mean that they don't make a bracha before they learn? The Amar of Yehuda Amar Rav. My dichtiv mihaisha chacham v'yaven etzot. What is what is the pasuk in Yirmiyah mean? If you look at Yirmiyahu, if you look at the side, it says mihaisha chacham v'yaven etzot v'asher diber Hashem elav. Who is the wise man who should understand this? That Hashem spoke to him. And can tell us why Eretz Yisrael was destroyed and left like a desert. What um, Yirmiyahu is asking, like, why why did Hashem destroy Eretz Yisrael? Why did He destroy the Beit Hamikdash? And what kind of person can can give an answer to why Hashem did this? So the Gemara, um, the Gemara says, "Davar um, it says that they were that they, that Hashem that this was this question was asked to the Chachamim to the prophets to, to the angels below Pishu they didn't know the answer. Until Hashem Himself came and explained why He He destroyed the Beit Hamikdash. Hashem and Hashem replied, because they have abandoned My Torah. So the Gemara learns out uh, from the pasuk, and that the meaning of the extra lashon there below halchuba is that they did not say berchat Torah first. So there's a bunch of obvious questions with this Gemara. To say that Hashem destroyed the Beit Hamikdash simply because people were forgetting to say berchat Torah is, is is insane. There's no reason Hashem would do that. Second of all, it's way too much of a punishment. Uh, third of all. If you take the pasuk literally, that they abandoned the Torah, they really abandoned it, you don't need to be a genius. Why would the Malachim not know the answer to this? 
the Malachim, everyone should know people are not keeping Shabbat. People are not learning Torah. It's a very obvious thing. You wouldn't have to be like, oh man, why did Hashem, we don't deserve this. Of course you deserve it. So a lot of uh, Mepharshim deal with this. However, I think the most beautiful one is the Bach in the, in, in the Beit Chadash was uh, a legalist. He was a posek, and um, he, he was written in the margins of the, of the tour. And people don't know this about the Bach, but he happens to be very fluent in Kabbalah. And over here he uses a lot of the Lashonot, a lot of, a lot of language of the Kabbalah, but he tries to keep it down to earth because he's obviously writing in a halacha sefer. Um, it's interesting that he was such a diehard poseg, but he also knew this kind of stuff. So he says, I shortened it a little bit um, with dots. He asks it, I'm going to translate, why, why would he give them such a great punishment for such a seemingly small avera? Veniran, it would seem, the Kavanatoit Barachme Olam Haitash in Hia Oskimba Torah, Kedeshit that same Nishmatenu Beats Mot Viruchniot Ktushat Mikor Motseha Torah. Says the Bach that the true purpose for why Hashem gave us the Torah was in order so that we should um, labor in it, we should work in the Torah. And it's that same nishmotenu smut, meaning our souls should become strengthened with the essence and the spirituality that the Torah can bring, that we can bring out of the Torah. So therefore, he says, hazot, If they would have learned Torah with this intention, in, meaning in order to bring out of the Torah the Kedushah and the connection to Hashem that they could by learning Torah, they would have been a vehicle and a dwelling for the Shekhinah of Hashem. The Shekhinah would literally be inside of them. And they would be a dwelling of Hashem. That with this they would bind the heavenly courts with the lowerly courts, the the lowerly the lowly the lower courts of this world. It would be one dwelling. Hashem Shechina would be in one place, meaning planet Earth would be fused with Shemaim. After they transgressed this, that they only were learning Torah for its material purposes, for their own benefit, to know the laws so that they could have a legal system for their barter and their trade, in order to be haughty and to show how smart they were, to, to gain intelligence and knowledge, and, be, and because they didn't learn it lishma Torah lishma meaning that they did it for its sake for the sake of the holiness inside of it in order to connect with Hashem asu pirud with that they made a separation like a wall shenestalaka shchina min haaretz that the that the the Hashem's presence left the earth it went back to Shemaim and the, la- the land there Israel was left just in its physical form and this caused its destruction and its doom and now he explains so what does it mean when it says that they didn't uh, say the bracha first at the time that it came for them to open with, uh, with learning Torah and to say a blessing, 
Lo halchu bala asok b'divrei Torah lishma. They did not learn it for its sake. Kibazene and shushen estalakash kinam in atachtonim ba'aznav It's because they didn't learn Torah lishma. This is why it was destroyed. Now this would also seem like a very fine line. Um, however, what the Bach is trying to say is that even if we do many, many sins, um, they had a misorah and they knew that there's a promise from Hashem that if you learn Torah, He's not going to destroy the Beit HaMikdash, He's not going to bring doom onto Bnei Yisrael. The Torah is Megin. It's a protective shield. So they wanted to know, wait a second, Hashem told us that the Torah is going to protect us, that it's a protective shield. Why in the world would, the, would Eretz Yisrael get destroyed? This is something they asked the prophets. They asked the Chachamim. They even asked the angels. And you know what this teaches us? This teaches us that angels cannot read human thoughts. Until Hashem Himself, who is the only being who can read human thoughts, was the one who explained to them what was going on. What was going on is that you were learning Torah, very nice, but you did it for your own purposes. You were treating the Torah as your culture, not your code. You were treating the Torah as something which you were using simply because it gave you a beautiful culture. It gave you law, it gave you legislation, it gave you wisdom, it gave you morality and all these things, but, and it made you like better than the Greeks and, or as cool as the Greeks, but not because you were actually doing it for my sake or to bring me into your life. Therefore, the Torah no longer protected them because the Torah can only protect them if the Shekhinah fuses with us and comes down into this world. And once the Shekhinah comes, leaves, there's no protection. And he explains, That's the, the Lashon the Rif has in the Bracha. Of the second Bracha, he says, that, that we should learn Torah Lishma. So that's the introduction, basically, for for Bichat Torah and the importance of it that it has in our in in our um, in our day. Bichat Torah is supposed to be a bracha, which reminds us that we're supposed to stop and think that the reason we're learning Torah is for Hashem's sake and for the sake of bringing bringing Hashem into our lives. Um, some say that. Lo baruchu Torah tchila means that it wasn't the most important thing to them. Meaning, you know, they, making a bracha wasn't the most important thing. Some people say that I think it's the Sfat Emet. He says that they would make a bracha, but only when they enjoyed it. Like if they would, if they would get to a part where they're like, ah, I chap as far. But if they didn't understand what they were learning until they understood the daf kamar that day, they wouldn't make the bracha. They were on a much higher level, and it's hard for us to know what kind of punishment they have. But Obviously, it's speculation because we re- we really don't know. But this is the, the the language of the Gemara that says because they didn't uh, say the bracha first, whatever that means, they didn't say it first. It wasn't obviously wasn't the most important thing to them to learn Torah lishma in their time. Well, we don't know what the nusach of the bracha was in the time of the Bais Rishon. Um, however, we know that it was. We definitely know that they did say a bracha before they learned. And the reason for that is because, according to most of the poskim, the chiyuv to say a bracha on Torah is midoraita. That there's a mitzvah on the Torah that tells us to say a bracha on the Torah. So now the, the Gemara and Chaf, I think it is, Chafalaf uh, Amaralaf says, um, the Gemara and Chafalaf Amaralaf says that we learn out Birkata Torah from the Pasuk Hishem Hashem Ekra, when I call to the name of God, Havu Godel Elokeinu, give greatness to your God. It's Pasuk in Dvarim that Moshe says in Parashat Hazinu. And he says, when I call out to Hashem, meaning when I read Torah, 
respond and Havu Godela Lokenu, give greatness to God. So the Gemara learns out of there that Birchata Torah min Torah minayin. How do you know that Birchata Torah is from the Torah? From that Pasuk. Now, most Rishonim learn from that Gemara very simply that, that it's the Oraita. Surprisingly, the Rambam does not. The Rambam does not list it in the, in, in the Sefer Mitzvot as one of the Mitzvot say. So the Mefarshim. Um, conclude that the Rambam never held that it was a mitzvah de'oraita, and that's very confusing because it's a it's a it's a it's a very explicit gemara that says that says that it's that it's de'oraita. So some of them do like some crazy difficult gymnastics with the gemara and the maskana of the gemara that they say that you know the Rambam didn't learn the maskana of the gemara that it was de'oraita. It's very difficult to do. Um, some have brought. Another solution. So, if Shamshin Rafal Hirsch in his Pirush on Chumash um, over there, uh, I saw it in the English edition, they, they actually wrote it, wrote it in Hebrew because it was more technical. But he says that he found the Mechilta, and the Mechilta is the Medrash written on Tvarim, which is Lehalacha. So, the, oh, sorry, on Bamidbar. So, the Medrash says over there that Kishem Hashem Ekra Havugodolokenu is speaking about Berkat Torah B'Tzibor, not about the regular Berkat Torah. So it's clear from that, it's really clear from the Mechilta, it says, Kishem Hashem Akra, when I'm going to read the Torah B'Tzibor, everyone should respond, Baruch Hashem Avarach, everyone responds, Baruch Hashem Avarach, Le'olam Va'ed. So if Berkat Torah itself is Midr you can't say the Brachan, sorry, Kriyat Torah, the reading of the Torah every week, that itself we know is Dera It might be at Halacha L'Moshim Sinai, but still, it's Dera Therefore, it can't be that the bracha on it itself is deraita. So it could be that the Rambam thought that the Mechilta was arguing on the Bavli. And the other Achronim also found the Yerushalmi, which sounds like this Mechilta. Therefore, it's possible that the Rambam went with the Mechilta and the Yerushalmi, and he paskined that it was... Um, so he's, the Rosham Shafal Hirsch speculates that it could be that the Rambam actually holds this way, that he holds that it's not a Birchat HaMitzvot, and it's not Doraita because he held like the Mechilta. It's a much easier way out because the Rambam doesn't always paskin like the Tamud Bavli, while the other Rishonim much more often choose Tamud Bavli. Um, if it's Doraita, wouldn't, wouldn't we have like a Pasuk in the Torah that says... I mean, right, so the Pasuk in the Torah that the Gemara brought is Kishem Hashem Ekra Lokeno. So that, that pasuk would be the Doraita, yeah. Um, the Gemara, another approach is that there's three views as to what, we say all three, Birchat Torah today. But in the time of the Gemara, there were three different views as to what bracha to say. And so one of the first view is Shmuel, who says, The second view is Rabbi Yochanan who says, The third view is Rav Hamnuna, who says, It is possible that the Rambam also learned that machloket to mean that only Shmuel held that it was a birchat hamitzvot. Because Shmuel said, or Yochanan did not agree. Could be that that was one of, that that was uh, the Rambam's approach. Again, we could speculate from today to tomorrow. It's the, the, There's... Mountains of, of of Torah written on on, on Birchat Torah and and also specifically why the Rambam held that way, but let's talk first about the positioning of Birchat Torah, where we put it in the Sidur. So the Sfaradim, um, the the today you'll see it after Hamavir Shena Meinai after the Hirat zones. Back in the old days, the original Sidurim, all the Sidurim that you'll find before the 15th century. 
the Sidurim would put Berchat Torah after Ribon HaOlamim and before the Parashat HaTamid, meaning much later in the Sidur than, than, we're mo- than most of us are used to. The Tur, the Balaturim, saw this minhag and he wasn't happy with it because he saw that they were saying many psukim, Ribon HaOlamim and, and, and many more psukim, piyutim. People were saying psukim before they said Berchat Torah. Therefore, he recommended putting, recommended, whatever, he changed it for him. He, he himself changed it, and he put Berchat Torah um, before Elokei Neshama. That's what he did. He put it before Elokei Neshama in the morning. He would say um, Berchat Torah, and then he'd say Elokei Neshama, Nasher Yatsar, and, and the rest of the Brachot. That was his minhag. The Ramah says that, this is the Ashkenazim, the Ramah says, no, our minhag is to put it after Elokei Neshama, before Asher Yatsar, and this is why you see all the Ashkenazi Sidurim put it in that location, because that was the Ramaz Min Hag. The Torah would never have done that, because the Torah believed that Elokai Neshama was... I'm sorry, uh, um, the, the Torah would put it after Asher Yatsar, before Elokai Neshama. The Torah believed that Elokai Neshama was a continuation of Asher Yatsar, as we've said earlier. So because the Torah believed it was a continuation, he would say it before Asher Yatsar. Um, I'm sorry, he would say it before Asher Yatsar, while... The Ashkenazim today don't believe that it's a conti- don't hold la that it is a continuation, so they put it in between, right before Lokai Neshama. Um, the Svaradim, <coughs> Svaradim want to follow the Torah and they also want to follow the Arizal. Here's the thing: the the the, the original Minhag that all the Svaradim has was had was to put it later, so they still wanted to put it later. But at the same time, the Arizal said that we're supposed to say eighteen brachot beritzifut, meaning eighteen brachot straight, just like we do by Shmona Esrei. So therefore, the, the Sfaradim put it directly after Hamavir Shena, because it's still earlier than the Psukim that you would say by Ribon Halamim, and yet it's um, it's before all that, but it's not interrupting Elokai Neshama or Sheretzar. That's why the Sfaradim put it there, and you find most of the Sidurim, that's how it evolved within the past 500 years. The Temanim today, and the people who pray with the Sidur Hagra, still do it the old way. They still put Birkata Torah later after Ibn Halamim. They also put Birkata Kohanim, which we generally say Birkata Kohanim right after Birkata Torah. They put it after Parashata Tamid, because in the Beit HaMikdash, they would first bring the Tamid, and then they would do Nesiyut Kapayim, and then they would Duchen, you know, they would, they would bless the nation, the Kohanim. So that's why they do Birkata Torah, Parashata Tamid, and then they do Birkata Kohanim, which is another old, old Minhag, old Temanim today do that. So now, let's take a look at the wording of the bracha that we have in front of us. Um, in the Gemara, in Brachot Tafyudal of Bet, it says, What is a person who, the Gemara is coming off of a discussion about what you need to learn, uh, what what kind of things you would need to do to learn, to, to say to say Brachat Torah first. Um, was it Medrash? Is it, is it Mikra? Um, is, it, uh, is it Gemara? What kind of things require you to say Berchat Torah? So the Torah was very strict about it, as we saw La Halachalamaisa. And the Ramah said if you're, if, you're like, if you're just reading Psukim for Tfilah, it doesn't matter. The Ramah, the, the other Poskim didn't really. If you want to ask a if you ever have a Sheila, if you didn't say Berchat Torah first, you should ask a rabbi, but. Um, the Ramah was less was less uh, anyway after the Gemara distinguishes what you have to say Berchat Torah for it says what, should, what is the Bracha 
to, to toil in the words of Torah. So the girsa that we have in front of us in the Vilna edition of, of uh, Talmud Bavli says, La'asok b'debe Torah. The other editions of Talmud Bavli, which is not printed in front of us, obviously, and this is the edition which was in front of the, the Rif, the Rush, the Abu Dirham, the Rambam, and Rabbeinu Yonah, all of them have a different version, and theirs say, Al Divrei Torah, like the Sfaradim say. We say, Al Divrei Torah. The Germans, and I think it's some of the French prints, the Bali Tosafot, theirs were La Sok B'Divrei Torah. That was their version of the Gemara. And the Ashkenazim were always familiar with that version. So obviously when the Vilna printers who were Ashkenaz had the two versions in front of them, they chose La Sok B'Divrei Torah because they figured, hey, that's the right one. So that's the one they put into the to the shas that you see in front of you. Um, Divrei, however, includes both learning and doing. La Sok B'Divrei Torah simply means to, to study Torah. But Al Divrei Torah means on matters of Torah. So that means like even to do mitzvot. So the Beit Yosef, the Machaber, uh, our posek, the Shulchan Aruch, he himself in, in Beit Yosef points out that logically it would make more sense to say La Sok B'Divrei Torah because we have separate brachot for mitzvot. We have, we have a, a bracha for every mitzvah, so why would we say another bracha of al Torah? So logically, la'asok b'divrei Torah would make more sense, because it's specifically on, on learning Torah. However, he defers to the minhag, and he, he is posek in Shulchan Aruch, exactly as the minhag was, and as the girsah of all the earlier prints was. So, the gra is innovative. The, the Gaon Mivilna, in his sidor, he writes la'asok b'divrei Torah, but he puts it with a sin, not with a samach. Um, it's the only seer that does that. I believe he does that. I could not find it in time, but I believe he does that because La'asok with a Samach is actually Aramaic. La'asok with a Sin is Lashon HaKodesh. So maybe he just wanted to make the, the bracha purely Lashon HaKodesh. Pronunciation-wise, <laughs> there's no real difference, but, you know, for anyone who's a grammar Nazi, you know, <laughs> and wants to correct, correct some seer, uh, that's what he believed. Yeah. That's what he believed it was. Okay, so now let's look at the second bracha. <laughs> so the second bracha continues in the in the in the Gemara. It says, "Rabbi Yochanan misayemba." Rabbi Yochanan would conclude it, hachi, as follows. This is an interesting lashon. Some some of the Rishonim have it this way. Some of them have Rabbi Yochanan amar. Rabbi Yochanan said, "Ha'arev na Hashem alokenu et tevetoratocha befinu." Shall you? Ha- Please, Hashem, sweeten for us your words of Torah in our mouths, and in the mouths of your children, the, the house of Israel, and we and our descendants, and the descendants of everyone else in, in Kalei Yisrael, we should all know your name, so we should all be knowers of your name, and, labor, and toilers of your Torah, Blessed to you, Hashem, who teaches Torah to, to his, his nation, Israel. So now there's a couple things we have to dissect here. First of all, the word ha'arevna. Um, the word ha'arev um, can mean many things. It can mean mix, can mean... Uh, but over here, there, there's two main meanings. One meaning is that it should sweeten for us. Hashem should make it sweet for us in our, in our eyes, in our minds. The other meaning can be like a, an arev, like a guarantor. 
So we're asking Hashem to guarantee us, please, that we love the Torah so much that it's going to stay with us and it's going to stay with our nation and He's never going to take it away from us. He's never going to let our children go without Torah. That's the other meaning of Beharevna. According to the first meaning that you're sweetening, you're asking Hashem to sweeten the Torah, it's also very interesting because Hashem never commanded us to love learning. Loving learning and loving the mitzvot is something we have to come to on our own. When we, if Hashem commanded us to, to love the Torah, we wouldn't say a bracha to ask Hashem to do it for us. You know what I mean? We wouldn't ask Hashem to make it sweet for us. Love of Torah and love of the mitzvot is something that we have to come to on our own, uh, on our own volition. So this is uh, why we can actually pray for it, because we're praying for assistance. The next word we should examine is a funny word. It says, Befinu in our mouths, and in the mouths of, of the of the children of Israel. So in the early versions, it never said Ubepifiot. Pifiot means two mouths. It's like a, a long version of Piot, which means two mouths. So the early version said Befinu Ubefiot, which is a lot more sensible. However, the Mefarshim also all stuck in Befiot because there's Masorah that Befiot is um, that there's a remez here to the Pasuk in Tilim. Um, we say I think where do we say it? Just at least. Uh, that basically that uh, the the angels hold sword double edged swords in their hands. Right? Pifiot means two mouths, so it means a sword with two sides, a saber with two sides. So Torah protects us like a sword. So pifiot, two two mouths, two sides. Okay, that's why the, that's why the language got stuck into here. Um, Zetzeinu. So. <laughs> The um, the main versions of the Gemara of the all the Gemara said that our descendants should know the Torah, right? The Manhig brings another lashon, which was to say, and you'll see this in the Ashkenazi Sidurim. It has parentheses. and our descendants of our descendants. And you basically say it like four times. Our descendants, the descendants of our descendants, and the descendants of Amachabet Yisrael. So he says, why did people start doing that? He says, the Gemara in Bavmetziah Daf said that if a person's sons are Tamil Chachamim and his grandsons are Tamil Chachamim, Torah is guaranteed to never leave that family. It's a very interesting Gemara. It says that even if some of their children become off the derech or they don't there's a haftacha that a family that accomplishes that at least one time, Torah will always return to its host. The Torah is always going to come back to that family. It's going to remain with that family forever. How does it know it? The pasuk says, "I will not remove it from your from your from your offspring and from the offspring of your offspring." So Hashem promised that if you have sons and grandsons who are tamid chachamim, I'll never remove it. I'll never remove Torah from your family. So he says, this is why we said, we're praying to Hashem that our sons and our grandsons should all have Torah. That's that's what the Manhig brings. The Bach brings this as well. So he says to put in, the Magen Avraham, another Ashkenazi Posek, says, no, don't say that. I'll tell you why. Because the Magen Avraham was a Gaon Adir. He knew not only Tanakh by heart, but he knew the Targum of Tanakh by heart. And he says that there's a pasuk in Eov where the Targum has, I can prove to you from the Targum not like you. Because the pasuk in Eov uses the word Tzetzehem, meaning their descendants. And the, the Targum uh, translates 
Tzetzeim as Bnei Binaya, grandsons. So you can't tell me to say Tzetzeinu Tzetzeinu because the word Tzetzeinu inherently means grandsons. So don't repeat it. That was the, that was the Magen Ram's brilliant raya to just say Tzetzeinu. So there, we have two Ashkenazi post scheme against each other. So if you look in every Ashkenazi door, they'll have Tzetzeinu in, in parentheses. If they want to say it, they can say it. If not, not. That's how the Ashkenazim do it today. Um, and then, in our Gemara, we didn't see the word Lishma. We, we mentioned before that the that the uh, riff has Lashon Lishma. This is how all the Sfaradim do it, at the very least. I don't I don't believe I've seen a Sidur today that doesn't do it. They all say, they should learn Torah Lishma, as we explained in the, in the Bach. Um, and then it says, Baruchata Hashem, Hamlame Torah Lamo Yisrael. So Rashi... And other Rishonim saw Girsah that said, Baruch Atah Hashem, Lamedeni Chukecha. That's a Pasuk in Tehilim, in Kufyutet. Blessed, you are the source of blessing Hashem. Please teach me your, your ways, your, your rule, your, uh, your chukim, your, your laws. So Rashi says, that's not a way to close a bracha because it's just praise. That's something that David Malch said for praise. The other Rishonim say, I'll tell you even better, you can't say that that's the close of a bracha because the the, um, the the Yerushalmi says that we are not we don't make a pasuk into a bracha, and because we know that that's halacha, we never turn a, a pasuk into a bracha. You're not going to tell me Baruch Hashem Chukecha is going to become a bracha. So that's why they discard Baruch Hashem Amdeni Chukecha. But there is another girsa, um, which was Baruch Atah Hashem Noten HaTorah, and this was in if I if. Uh, uh, the rush brings this down. Many of the Rishonim bring this down. That at the end of Vaharevna, they wouldn't say, Amalame Torah Yisrael. The Spanish Girsah, the Manhig says, that the Spanish Girsah predominantly in the Gemara was Baruch Atah Hashem Notena Torah. The French Girsah, Baruch Atah Hashem Hamalame Torah Yisrael. That's how the Manhig says. The rush brings both. And the tour only brings the second one, which is Hamalame Torah Yisrael, which is most likely why that was the dominant proliferated Nusach. Uh, However, the Rambam, in if you look in the good Rambams like the Shapsi Frankel, it doesn't say Baruch Hashem Hamamei Torah Lamo Yisrael. It says Baruch Hashem Noten HaTorah. All of the good Rambams will say that, and because the Rambam wrote that in his Tefillah, the Temanim today they don't say Baruch Hashem Hamamei Torah Lamo Yisrael. They say Baruch Hashem Noten HaTorah because they follow the Rambam's wording exactly. Um, interestingly, the Rambam's son in one of the Chuvot says from his father a theological reason why you shouldn't say Hamalame Torah Lamo Yisrael. Why? He says, because what does the words mean? The Rambam, my father said that the words mean he who teaches Torah to Bnei Yisrael. It's simply not true. God doesn't teach you Torah. You have to learn Torah for yourself. That's what the Rambam's son is quoted as having say, said in, in the name of his father. However, Many of the Acharonim take issue with this because there's many psukim in throughout Tanakh which say that Hashem does teach us Torah, like Baruch Atah Hashem Lamedeni Chukecha. Please teach me your 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 rules, your laws. So many Acharonim took issue with this. Perhaps Rambam never said it, or perhaps perhaps he meant something uh, meant something deeper. But he had theological uh, uh, what's the word? Um, Re, uh, reservations against saying this that that closing. I'm lamei Torah myself. Fine. The next bracha. Baruch atah Hashem. Elokein malchalam. Some people say that if you if you start a bracha, 
You say Baruch Atah Hashem, you should, you should just say Lamedei Nechukachan, that's a pasuk. Um, some say that if you started, even if you started, then you should, like if you said uh, Bracha with a close, then you can close it off, Baruch Atah Hashem Lamedei Nechukachan. It's tricky. Not everybody really holds of this. Because Baruch Atah Hashem Lamedei Nechukachan is not a full pasuk, and they don't want to make it half. But, uh, you know... Uh, halakhically it's complicated but you could do it you don't, there's no harm no foul if you just add the words okay Shabbat Harbanu what does the Gemara say here Virav Hamnuna Amar Asher Bachar Banu Mikolamim who chose us from all the nations Vinatalano Toraton gave us his Torah um this is the greatest of all the brachot. If you think about that, it actually makes no sense. Um, and the Gemara concludes, Therefore we say all three of them. The Gemara says, at the end, we say all three of these. Now, it doesn't make sense that Hamnuna is praising his own bracha. You know, Hamnuna says, oh, this is the greatest of the brachot. So there's two other ways to answer this problem. One is that the girsa of the Gemara is wrong and it, and it should be and that which of Huna said, meaning the Gemara itself is 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 talking and it's saying uh, that this bracha is the greatest of all the brachos. And another version, the Manhig, Manhig has a version of the Gemara which says Amar uh, of Safra. There of Safra, one of the later Amoraim said this is the greatest of the brachot. The Arizal says that this bracha you're supposed to say it with great joy. The Tor says that this bracha you're supposed to imagine that you're standing in front of Har Sinai. It's a, it's a, it's it's basically a bracha which is supposed to include the ideas of all the other three brachot. And because berchat Torah is doraita, if you forgot to say berchat Torah, you have to say it again. But misafek, we only say one of them, and this is the one we say because this one concludes everything. And furthermore, it's a multi-purpose bracha. We use it for kriyat Torah as well, right? We use it when we, uh, when we, when we come out to the Torah. So this this bracha this bracha is considered the greatest of all of them. Um, so the Magen Avraham in, in, uh, brings a, in Orachayim, he brings a Rambam, which says that even a Ger is allowed to say this bracha, even though the word said that chose us from all the nations, he himself is included in Am Yisrael, so he's allowed to say Asher Bachar Banu. Um, the Gras says, interestingly, he says that it says three times uh, that he gave us the Torah. Asher Bachar Banu Mikol Hashem Torah. Three times. He says it corresponds to the three Kabbalot Torah that we had. The first was when Hashem, Hashem said, Vahitam liyam sigula. Second time was at Mamad Har Sinai. The third time was the Kritat Brit that he did before he died. And that was the, the three Kabbalot Torah that we had. That's why the Bracha has three, um, three times the. Uh, am I going long? I mean. No. Uh, okay. So, okay, so now here comes the, the, the little head-bending part, is that there's a question as to whether or not these are three brachot or whether these are two brachot, meaning are the first two brachot one connected bracha or is it two separate ones? So the Rebbeinu Tam, uh, the Rebbeinu Yonah, the Rush, the Mordechai, they all say that it's one long bracha. The Rambam, the Rashba, and the Bala Ma'or say it's three. So it's the Machloket Rishonim. Um, now, the Abu Durham points out, it also depends on how you learn the Gemara. If you had a Vav, if you say Veha'arevna, right, with a Vav, uh, or if you say Rabbi Yochanan Misayem Hachi, did Rabbi Yochanan conclude the Bracha like this, or did he say the Bracha like this? Depends how what, what version of the Gemara they had. The Abu Durham points out that 
the bracha shifts from the past tense to the future tense. The Ha'arevna is in the future tense, while the previous bracha was in the past tense. So he says, it's, for that reason, it's probably two different brachot. That's the Abu Durham. Um Rashi has Misayim. That's the version of Rashi we have, has Misayim. So likely he agrees with Rabbeinu Tam. Rabbeinu Tam has a whole complicated cheshbon, why it should be two brachot. He says that short brachot will always start Baruchat Hashem, even if it's a bracha smuchal chaverta. He has a, like a, a technical reason. It's a short bracha, and he brings a raya from Abdullah, and it's a whole sugya that they, in the yeshiva, if they were learning, you know, Berchat Torah, they'd spend a week, two weeks on it. It's, it's, it's quite a big sugya. That's what Rabbein Tam says. The Shulchan Aruch's Halach Lamaisa adds above, because he says, who cares? If it's three brachot, if it's two brachot, adding above is the best thing to do. If it's three brachot, it's not going to delete from the meaning so we add Behar Evna just in case. That's why most Sidurim today say Behar Evna, Svaradi, Ashkenaz, everyone puts it because it makes sense. You're not going to lose, you're not going to lose, lose out. Um, Asher Bachar Banu, however, nobody con- considers that a connection because that has to be a separate bracha. We use it for, you know, a, we, it's a multi-use bracha. We use it for Kriyat Torah. So it's not, it's not a connection to the first two. So everyone agrees that that's a separate bracha. That is what Rabbeinu Yona points out. Now, why do we need three? That's, the, that's one of the questions that all the Achronim want to know is like three brachot for one thing? Like when, we, when do we ever find the mitzvah that we, have, that we need to have three brachot for? So my favorite answer, my personal favorite answer is the Levush. The Levush brings a, he says from Chacham Echad, some wise man told me once that it's, <laughs> there's three types of brachot here in Birchat Torah. There's a Birchat HaMitzvot, that's the first one. Birchat HaNehenin, which is the second one. There's Birchat Hoda'ah, which is the third. They wanted to make all three because they weren't sure which one to say for Birchat Torah, so they said all three. That, that I thought was very beautiful. Some say that if it's some say that we're doing one on Mikra, one on Midrash, one on Mishnah. We're doing it for Torah Shebichtav, and some say there's two brachot. So the first bracha is Torah Shebichtav. I'm sorry, Torah Shebalpeh, and the second one is Torah Shebichtav. It's another way to learn. So that's why we have uh, three brachot. Okay, so we're done with Birchat Torah itself. Um, let's quickly um, look at Birchat Kohanim. Uh, Birchat Kohanim is something we say directly after, right after uh, Birchat Torah. So when did this start? So the Tosafot says here on the daf, if you look at the end of Tosafot, uh, the French, you know, the French, the French Rishonim began to say this because they wanted to say Mikra, Mishnah, and, and, and Abraita. So they would say, Birkat Kohanim, they say Elud Varim, and Elud Varim inside has, has, has Elud Varim, and then Elud Varim, a Mishnah, and then a Abraita. So they would say, and then they would say Ezehu Mikoman, which is definitely a Braisa. So the, the French Rishonim began saying these three things, because they wanted, right after they learned, they wanted to be able to say all the, the Shitot in the Gemara, what you say Birkat Torah for. Do you say Birkat Torah for uh, for Mikra or f- for for learning Torah from a, from a Chumash? Do you say to, do you only say Birkat Torah if you're, if you're learning Gemara? So they wanted to be able to say all three. So they immediately after saying Birkat Torah, they said Mikra, Midrash, uh, sorry, uh, Mishnah and Gemara. Three things. Very beautiful. Um, the they also the Tosafot points out that they also understood the Yerushalmi to mean that when you say Birkat Torah, you immediately have to start learning. Tosafot disagrees. You can say Berchat Torah and learn later, make a hefsek, whatever. This is another one of those complicated uh, machlokets about Berchat Torah. Like, how could you make a hefsek? 
maybe you should have to say Brachat Torah every time before you start learning. So, or, you know, maybe it's a time thing, is it a sleep thing? So this whole machok, has to do with that Yerushalmi, this Tosafot. And Tosafot holds that you don't have to say, learn right away. So Tosafot says you don't have to do this. But that's what they did at the time. Um, so they would say Brachat Torah. Let me just look at it really quickly. He says, in their time, they would say Brachat Torah. I believe here he mentions that they also said Parashat Tamid. So the Beit Chadash, the Bach himself, I don't remember where it is in this Tosafot. Maybe I, I, I have to double check. But the, 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 the Bach says that the reason they, they would put Birkat Kohanim before the Tamid in their time was because they wanted to show that they weren't saying the Tamid to be able to say Tamid. They were saying the Tamid in order to... Um, they, were say, they weren't... In other words, they were saying Birkat Torah, and then they were doing Kriya right after. They wanted to show that Birkat Kohanim was there because they needed to learn right after. If they would say Birkat Tamid after, people would think that they were doing it just to be able to say the Tamid. No. So they said Birkat Kohanim right away. Interesting idea. The Pnei Yeshua says, no, it's much simpler. Why would they say Birkat Kohanim instead of saying Birkat Tamid? Birkat Tamid is also a part of the Torah, inside the Torah. Just say Birkat Kohanim and go straight to Birkat Tamid, which is Bikra, straight reading from the Chumash. He says, no, I'll tell you why. Because people back then used to wake up before the sun rose. And before the sun rises, you're not supposed to learn Chumash. Therefore, I'm sorry, you're not supposed to not learn Chumash. You can learn Chumash before it's, uh, that's Alpi Kabbalah. You're not supposed to say Parashat Tamid because they didn't bring the Parashat Tamid until the sun rose. So because in the Beit HaMikdash you wouldn't bring the Tamid until sunrise, Therefore, if you wake up early before the sun rises, you don't say Parashat Tamid. So they would say Brachat Torah, then they would say Brachat Kohanim. That's that's why the Pnei Shua holds that they used to say Brachat Torah, then Brachat Kohanim, and then Parashat Tamid, like the old Sidurim used to do. Now, why did it choose? Why did all the Psukim in the Torah? Why didn't they say Bereshit Baral Kima Why did they choose Brachat Kohanim? The simple reason the Seder Yom and the Shabura say this is because they wanted to start learning Torah with Divrei Bracha. You know, we're going to bring Bracha into this world. Let's bring bracha on the world. They chose something very short, very simple. The Manhig, the Rishonim, the, one of the Rishonim, and the Abu Durham, also one of the Rishonim, he says, actually, there's a Kabbalah behind this, and that is because there's 60 letters in Birkat Kohanim, and there's 60, 60 Mishnayot in Torah Shebaal Peh. And therefore, Birkat Kohanim is coming to represent the power of Torah Shebaal combined with the power of Torah Shebaal Peh, and therefore we say Birkat Kohanim. The Beit Yosef says that he brings a Mishnah in Tamid, which says that even famous Mishnah about what they, how they used to pray in the Bayat Rishon, but um, he says that uh, they, before the Mishnah, he proves on the Mishnah that even though they didn't do Nisiut Kapayim or Duchening until after the Parashat, until after they, I'm sorry, they brought the Korban Tamid, they would still say Birkat Kohanim, those Psukim, before they brought the Korban. Therefore, just like they used to say it in the Beit HaMikdash, we say the Bikrat Kohanim before we bring the Korban HaTamid, just like they did it there. The one outlier in all, in all of the Achronim is Maharshal. Um, he didn't see this Gersa to put Birkat Kohanim uh, after the Tamid. He, he, he obviously didn't see these Yushanim, so he himself just said different Psukim. He, he doesn't say which Psukim he said. I don't know, maybe he does. It's in, it's in the Tshuva... Uh, Shuva Samach Dalid. I could look it up again. He chose different Sukim for himself because he, he didn't like the idea of saying Merkat Kohanim. All right. Now, the Ashkenazim, to be fair, after Merkat Kohanim, they say Elud Varim. But we're not in an Ashkenazi shul, so we're going to shtaltz them out. Um, <laughs> but Elud Varim, we say Elud Varim 
later. We say it um, after the Akedah. The reason the Sfaradim say Elu Dvarim after the Akedah is because Elu Dvarim talks about mitzvot that have no shi'ur. And the Schar has no shi'ur. The reward for those mitzvot has no limit. Therefore, just like we're asking for limitless mercy in the Akedah, we're asking Hashem to give us limitless bracha right after the Akedah. So that's why we link Elu Dvarim right after the Akedah. That's the the Sfaradim uh, Minhag. The Ashkenazim, they say it because it's a Mishnah talking about bracha, just like Birkhanim is a pasuk talking about bracha and, and uh, reward. So to the right after uh, Birkhat Torah, they're going to say a Mishnah which talks about receiving bracha in this world and a reward. That's the Ashkenaz Minhag. So to conclude all this, we're just going to go through a couple of halachot. If you wake up in the morning early and you want to think in Torah, it's mutar. If you want to write Torah, the Shulchan Aruch holds, you should say bracha. If you wake up in the middle of the night, um, depending what time it is, if it's after Chatzot, you should say If it's before Chatzot, call your rabbi because he's probably still awake. Um, but if you slept, if you slept for two to three hours and you wake up in the middle of the night before Chatzot, call your rabbi because that's complicated. If you should say again. Um, you have to have like a time frame. How much you gonna learn, or is it like any learning? Any really any learning? That's any the problem. Uh, yeah, it's it's, it's problematic. It's, so. Yeah, so that's a more of a complicated sheila. Yeah, it could be a bracha levatala. But after chatzot, everyone agrees. If you slept shinat keva and it's after chatzot, you wake up two in the morning and you're like, I can't fall asleep. Let me learn something. You could say you could and you should. You have to say brachat kohanim. So let's first discuss women. Um, or you know what? Let's just discuss sleeping. Then we'll discuss women. So Rabbeinu Tam holds that the criterion for saying Berchat HaTorah a second time is the fact that it's a new day. It has nothing to do with sleep. Every day someone has to say Berchat HaTorah. That's Rabbeinu Tam's shita. So even if you didn't sleep at all, you wake up Shavuot morning, you have to say Berchat HaTorah. The other Rishonim seem to learn that it has to do with sleep. And if you have what's called a Shenat Keva, meaning a... Uh, uh, permanent sleep uh, uh, not permanent I'm sorry a set <laughs> God forbid uh, uh, what's the good word for keva an established uh, serious deep sleep that would uh, demand a new berchat Torah so according to the rush if you went to sleep during the day on Shabbat for three hours and you woke up you would have to say berchat Torah again however we are posek that more like Rabbeinu Tam, the Mechaber says that only you say it every day. The Sfara, as far as Faradim, Shavuot morning, we say Birkat Torah, no problem. The Ashkenazim, even though they don't paskin like this, like Maran, they paskin like Torah, it's a little bit more complicated. The Magan Evram over there and the Bach, um, what they do is they, they, they prefer to get someone else to say Birkat Torah for them uh, because then someone who already slept just says Birkat Torah and they have Kavanah to be Otsay. Uh, some of them, they, they're Somechan or Kibeger. Kibeger has a whole Meman of Shach. It's like very Lamdish. Like, Meman of Shach, you took a nap on Shavuos afternoon. So that was a Shinat Keva. And therefore, according to the Rush, you'd have to say it again anyway. And according to Rabbeinu Tam, it's already the next day. So Meman of Shach, say, say Rekatatara again. Very, very interesting Svara. Um, so that's what the Ashkenazim do. Svaradim, we have no issues. Um, <laughs> we have issues, just not those. Now, as for women, so the Beit Yosef brings reasons why women should say Berchat Torah. So it's not so simple. First of all, he says, um, women are commanded to learn Torah. They're only commanded to learn the 
halachot that they need to know. Smak holds this. The, the one of the Rishonim he holds that women ha, are chayavot to learn Torah just like men, but only the the command, commandments which they need to know. The Agur, also one of the Rishonim, he holds that uh, uh, later Rishonim, I think, he says that women also needed to pray and say korbanot, and because they're saying korbanot, they also have to say berchat Torah before korbanot. Again, he was earlier, and berchat Torah back then preceded tamid. Now, the Gra asks a very basic question on the Mechaber. He says, even according to the people who hold that women are chayavot to learn what they have to learn, that's only midir banan. The Pasuk says, and the Gemara says, Women are exempt from Torah study. So if we know for sure women are exempt from Torah study, how could you say that women make a bracha? This is, these are not sufficient reasons. Therefore, the Vilna Gaon says that the reason why women are allowed to make a bracha on Birchat Torah is for the same reason they're allowed to make a bracha on Mitzvah Seisha's Mangrama. Ashkenazim hold that a woman is allowed to say a bracha on the shaking a lulav, on uh, sitting in the sukkah, because even though they're not commanded, if you're you're still allowed to make a bracha, because we learn that even though you don't have the commandment, you're allowed to make the bracha, so too by Bichat Torah, women are allowed to make the bracha. Um, the briskers have their own mahalach from Rav Chaim Brisker, that this is both... Uh, Musr and Lamdis at the same time, they say the Torah bracha, that the Torah is something which requires a bracha, and therefore it has all sorts of interesting implications, including that, that women can make Birchat Torah without a problem. That concludes Birchat Torah. I think next week we'll continue with Adon Olam or Yigdal because the Sfaradim don't really say Adon Olam or Yigdal, not all of them, not consistently, not in the same place. Ashkenazim do. And because we don't all say it in the same place, I figured that when we were done Berkot HaShachar, I'll do some grace for the Ashkenazim, and I'll fill in Adon Olam and Yigdal, and all those things that uh, that they didn't say. We'll get to Elud Varim later after the Akedah. Um, I think uh, we'll do next week's uh, Shi'ur on Thursday, because it's the Tzom. So, you know, we'll, Wednesday night, I think everyone's breaking their fast.